Welcome to the Open Paddock Rallycast. This is episode number 133, and in this show, we chatted with the pilot of the little Honda Fit that could, Nicholas Bucky. Although Nick started rallying just a year ago, he already feels like he's been around a while with the number of events already completed. We chat about how he got started, why he chose a Honda Fit, and delve into one of the newest events in the ARA calendar, the Boone Forest Rally. So grab a cold one and join us at the virtual rally pub we call The Rallycast. Hello and welcome everybody. I'm your host, Mike Shaw. And just a moment, we'll get to the interview with Jeff and I talking to Nicholas Bucky. I just wanted to say that the reason why this one's been delayed for so long is because I really wanted to get that Al Dante's uh, memorial episode out there. And the feedback I've been getting from that one has been tremendous. And the work that Derek put into it to make it sound just that extra special, I just really wanted to get an extra uh, shout out to Derek Johnson Love. Wow, he really just made that show right off the feels. And uh, thank you again, Derek, for that. If you haven't listened to it, um, it's a previous episode, obviously, in our list. So, yeah. Anyways, so I want to get that one out after or during-ish LSPR as people were coming home from that so they could listen to that. And so that way, that's why this one was delayed a little bit. So, anyhow, without further ado, here is Nicholas Buck. Well, as I said in our little break intro thing that we are going to have a guest on this show, and that is the Nicholas Bucky. Uh, Nicholas Bucky, welcome to the Open Paddock Rallycast, bud. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate you having me. I, I do have to do the official sound of the start of the po- of the Rallycast, though. That was actually a nitrogen ball in this one. So, um, yes, I am having a beer. This is my one beer a week or two that I have because I'm I'm a lightweight. I don't know. What are you having? You guys uh, having a little uh, beverage as we do this uh, rally cast? I'm going to have a tall glass of water tonight. Right. Staying hydrated is very important. Yeah, we got a race coming up, so i to try and keep on that. I've got, uh, I got a can of Partake non-alcoholic Oktoberfest beer, which I think is actually an American brewing company. I think they're imported. I don't know. It feels, feels tastes American. American tastes water. American. <laughs> The taste of America. <laughs> I don't know. Been there twice. <laughs> yeah, m- mine's full on American. It's actually local. Um, Rogue does a uh, R- Rogue Brewery. If you've heard of them, there you can find them pretty much anywhere these days. But uh, they're chocolate nitro stout. So uh, I'm going for a beer you can chew. <laughs> Delicious. There you go. I like the dark the dark stuff. You know, you can't shine a light through it. That's about right. <laughs> but that soy sauce flavor. Uh, so, Mister Bucky. <laughs> First of all, I always have to start with this question. Uh, How did you get started down this crazy route of uh, being involved in rally, man? Well, a couple years ago, my oldest son, who is going to be 25 this year, he showed me a video of somebody rallying a Honda Fit. And I thought, well, I need something to do. (laughs) I raced motocross for when the boys were growing up. Ah. And I I hadn't raced for probably a decade. And I wanted to get into some form of motorsport again. And this seemed logical after he showed me that video. And then I purchased a Honda Fit. (laughs) And that was the start of it. I bought a $1,200 car. And as you know, just dump a bunch of money into into something. Um, Adam Brock built the cage for it. He does great work. And then I I pretty much did everything else to the car except for the cage. So I've, I've, uh, been elbow deep in it and know it very well. 
which I think makes a big difference, at least from my end. Especially for like a, a regional competitor, knowing how you your car went together is great when you need to take it apart. Yeah, it, it's I, I'm I'm pretty much the only one that works on it. <laughs> so I, I get service folks every once in a while now that I'm comfortable having people touch the car. But uh, it's it's been been a good vehicle sure how long did it take you to do the build i would say nine or ten months i think i jumped into it and wanted to get get to racing as quickly as possible once i once i just decided to do it yeah it sure sounds like it because that's actually really rapid for uh for a build uh these days i, I obviously it's, that's as if the build is done uh these we, things we know are never complete um you're always tweaking and working on it um what's kind of the the biggest changes you've probably come across as you started actually competing we did eight races total last year with it, and I, I figured out that I needed to develop the suspension points mm. a little bit more, you know, add more reinforcement and stuff in there. I've added a few things here and there, some exhaust, like I did a, did a new exhaust to it this season. The car doesn't have a lot of motor options to make it more powerful, so I'm wringing the crap out of something that doesn't have very much power. Momentum driving. Yeah. Yeah, completely momentum driving. So that uh, that's a challenge in itself, but it's it's uh, I, I've learned a good bit over the last. Well, it hasn't even been two years yet, so I, I've uh, I've gotten a lot of seat time, and that's helped a bunch. So, but I mean, definitely had a deficit with the motor. <laughs> I mean, hopping in like your so last year was your first season, right? And and eight rallies just in the first year. Correct. Uh, eight. Eight events because I did the um, in December I did the rally sprint down in Texas at the rally ranch. I not guess. not exactly full, but I mean I guess <laughs> we're we were talking a little bit about Tour de Forest with thirty competitive stage miles, and I feel like the rally sprint's not too much short of that at that point. <laughs> you could call yeah. it a rally. You had to prep the car for it. Yeah, kind of. I didn't do a bunch to it, but um, I I went down there. I went down there to for the experience, and that's mostly what this is for me. Is I want to experience all this stuff and and the different races and the people at different races. And at some point, I want to hopefully next year I can drag the car out there to your side of the country and get one of those races under my belt. Just uh, just to rub elbows with the folks out there. That's awesome. I mean, that is part of the adventure of this sport, right? Going to all these different places. Um, and where do you reside currently? I'm in Southeast Ohio, so I am not too terribly far away from the Sofer rally itself. Um, mm -hmm. I, I stay here at the house to, to run that rally. The Portsmouth stages are about an hour and 20 minutes. And then the MacArthur stuff is oh, about 40 minutes from the house. So, Oh, nice. Yeah, it's definitely my home race. And that's kind of central to, I mean, not that anything's super close with rallying, but, um, but I mean, you're kind of centrally located to get to quite a few events, I guess I would say from there. Yeah, we are, we are really in a good spot here. I, you know, it's eight, eight hours to Missouri. It's seven hours to Pennsylvania, to SDPR area. It's 10 hours up to LSPR, um, maybe eight hours to Snowdrift, I think. So Wow, yeah. that's about perfect. Yeah. Yeah, we're we are in a prime spot. Uh, Bristol again is like six plus hours away, I think, and that's that's another great race. Yeah, I feel fortunate that I chose this, and I'm in a pretty decent area to to hit as many races as we can. What was uh, getting getting ready for that first one last year? You know, you got the car all prepped. You know, you're you're getting things kind of figured out. 
but you know, it's your first ever stage rally. What, what was the prep for that like? And, uh, getting on that first stage, <laughs> getting all that information through your headset and all that. You're not used to that in a motorcycle, on a motorcycle. It, it was, it was quite, quite the, uh, endeavor. I was so concerned about getting the car through tech. Uh, you know, that, that was my biggest concern, but I got it through there. Doug Nagy was there and he was one of the first guys to tech my car. So it, it, uh, it was nerve wracking, but they were very helpful and they complimented me on my build because I, I did try to be as absolutely thorough as possible with it. And uh, after we got through with that, I, uh, Kyle Williams of the Missouri Mafia sat with me. He, he trusted his life with me with a rookie driver and uh, we did Jemba notes and he was very good at uh, knocking off the stuff we didn't need out of there. And it was it was like you said, it was overwhelming. So much information. And uh, I I knew that I was going to like it for a while. <laughs> after, after, <laughs> you know, and we we finished. We were the the last place finisher, but I finished my first rally, so that was a a huge start into it. Hey, dead last but finished is still a finish. That's right. Better than ending up with a big repair bill. It, I was I was so very happy with that. Well, then uh, I was going to say Kyle then stuck with you for for the next one too. So yeah. He was he was with me at uh, for Sofer and again we did did good. I wanted to finish mid pack in class, and when we ended up mid pack in class, that was that was a good finish. And then I had uh, Bryce Serious rode with me twice, and he taught me how to write notes, and that was a huge component in in a lot of things, as you guys probably know. And then from there, I had let's see, I had uh, Dustin Yarborough rode with me, and. He's been with me several times now, and uh, DJ Hathaway has has been uh, with me, and he's riding with me again. He rode with me just at STPR, and then Dustin rode with me at uh, at down in Boone, and then DJ's going to be with me again up at LSPR here next. Uh, I guess it's coming up on next week or so. And so. then back when you were in 2022 STPR with Bryce, I, I just had to reach out to Bryce and I had to ask yeah. him if there was anything uh, from from your endeavors. And he said that SCPR was uh, a bit of a a bit of an eventful race for you guys. I think waste management was uh, was a popular talking point last year about just oh, really really rough roads. It is every year, but <laughs> every uh, year. he said that 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 did a number to your engine. We hit uh, uh, there were like water bars across the road, and uh, Andrew Sims actually at Tech he came up to me and he's like pay attention to those water bars. They'll buck you, you know, make sure you pay attention to those going through waste management. Oh, yep. I'll, I'll definitely try and do that. I'll try and pay attention. Um, we only were able to do one pass a recce through there. So I wasn't real familiar with everything. And we came through there and sure enough, I, I hit one of those water bars and I shoveled the skid plate into the ground on the other side. Ooh. And we made it to the end of the stage, and on the way back to service, uh, it was dragging the ground. The skid plate was dragging on the back edge, and I was all focused on that when we got back to service. Uh, I didn't have any service crew, so I was tr- just, you know, scrambling to trying to get the figure out what to do with the uh, with the skid plate. And I never popped the hood on the car. That impact broke all the motor mounts in there, Oof. and we took off. We 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 went back out and, and did faster on the next three stages and made our way back to waste management. And uh, we were sitting there at the start of waste management. And Bryce said, "Hey, there's some smoke puffing up out of there." I said, "We're just we're just gonna go." And uh, by the end by the end of the stage, we made we made it to the end, but it was running on about a cylinder and a half. 
<laughs> I mean, if you didn't go, I mean, it, it's not like the engine would have been much better off, right? So you might as well finish. It was, you know, honestly, it was a $160 junkyard motor. And I was just like, it'll be what it is. And we we just... We we made it to the end. We made it to the time control and out of the time control. So well, what, and then you, you come my... back, you build the car, and you make it a little bit tougher for the next time that you got to hit yeah, crap roads I, like that again. Hey, yeah, I, I uh, you know did did better motor mounts in it. I did you know pretty high end motor mounts, and I I found a two hundred dollar junkyard motor that's in there now, and uh, yeah, that's. Been, <laughs> Part of the part of the good part about that car, the stuff has been very economical to keep it to keep it going. That was my only DNF, and then yeah, that was a big haunting thing on my mind this year when we went back to to race STPR. What was uh, STPR like this time around? Well, I, I showed up there to to uh, <laughs> to 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 finish basically, and I wanted to race the the Nonax because they are the top. The top ones around here, them and Matt McGee are, are the top mm-hmm. uh, limited two-wheel drive on over on this area, and they've always been my benchmark since I started. And uh, they were first day; they were a minute uh, or in some change ahead of me, and we were pushing hard. And uh, I was fighting mental demons. You know, there was there were a lot of things going on. I was you know concerned about finishing the race, so that was holding me back a little bit, and other other things. And we came to the end of one stage, and the Nonax were sitting there, and they had broken their transmission, and it sort of took the wind out of my sails. But uh, and we we had a decent lead over the, the over the second place folks, and so we just kind of I kind of put it in conservation mode on the second day, and and just made it made it to the end. So we ended up on the top step, but I was really hoping to fight Chris and Sarah t- <laughs> to the end there, but I finished it. And and that that was yeah. I mean that's that's always the goal. You know, got got to finish to to finish first. But uh, yeah, you always wanted to get that uh, that battle back and forth for sure. You know, one reason we we wanted to have you on is to talk about that that new rally on the calendar, that Boone Forest Rally, and uh, a, a brand new event. What did you think of it? Uh, you know, you've done you know several events leading up to that now. You've seen some of the different roads out there. You go out there and you do recce, and we heard that it's kind of rough. It was a beater. Eric Hubbard and the Backroads of Appalachia, they they put this event on and they had the the backing, you know, of, of Green APU and, and the Vermont sports car folks were down there and it it was it was a well run first event, I thought. The roads were there were but there were two stages. Half of the half of the stage was excellent and the other half was a Jeep UTV type trail, very, very square edge rocks and big rocks and very tight and technical, which the Honda fit does very well. in. it, it definitely beat the hell out of the car and the fast parts, the, the nice gravel parts were fun. It just, there were uh, jumps that we didn't have noted. We were thought they were crests and ended up being jumps, um, big, big holes in the road that we didn't have noted very well. A lot of, a lot of picking lines that were hopefully smooth to salvage the car. It, it, <laughs> it was very technical through the tight, tight and rough stuff that, that was, uh, that was the, the brutal part of it. Um, trying to, trying to manage the car and not kill it 
and they do have a lot more roads down there that they can access. And I think they'll get there. I think it just, uh, you know, they needed to start somewhere and this is where they started. Do you guys have, have too much in terms of, of issues with the car? I know that there was a lot of people that had punctures, broken axles, other, other problems. Obviously there was, like you said, half the field didn't even make it to the end, but do you guys have any, any problems? I, I didn't that I was aware of. I also ran the tire pressure pretty high. I, I left service at 30 PSI, which, you know, after they were hot, probably ran up a bit more than that. But my, my whole idea behind that was to save the wheels from getting bashed on all the rocks. And it did the job. But on the open, flowing gravel road part, it was like riding on marbles. It was, it was pretty spooky, actually. <laughs> <laughs> but uh but we managed um i think i made up more time in the in the slow stuff because of that than than we did than we lost time from being slippy on the on the wide open stuff if that makes sense yeah and i'm, I'm sure you just at some point start going okay you know what this is worthwhile to just literally make it to the end rather than try to get the utmost performance i'm sure you know watching the the times just people just started falling away it seemed like on but each of four stages that were ran. Yeah, we, I, I, uh, my whole intention going, I wanted to win when I went down there. So I pushed very hard right off the get go. And we, we were putting down, uh, I think we over for the first two stages, we were, I think we ended up top nine. Uh, uh, I think we were nine ninth overall. Um, and we were, we were putting down, you know, top 10 times there on the first two stages. I, I had a lot of folks, I think we surprised that we were going as quick as we were, um, especially in that silly little car of mine. Yeah, that uh, that that was <laughs> it was something. I'll just leave it at that. It, it was something. <laughs> we'll have to watch some onboards to really get a good feel of it because uh, I think that's what we're really going to notice. You know, one thing you know heard time and time again about STPR, and I, I've done some wrecking there myself. And you know, they talk about how the, you know, the trees are just so close to the road, you know, in, in spots, it's just so narrow. It's like fence posts, you know, right next to the road. So there's really kind of no room. Uh, I'm guessing it's kind of something similar there at Boone. It is kind of, but you're going slower. So it's not as uh, intimidating, I guess. Gotcha. And on the wider, on the wider gravel spots, it reminded me more of Southern Ohio than it, than anything. Um, Cause there was, there was room. There was room to make mistakes, I guess you could say. You know, there was there was some run out, and uh, gotcha. on the tight stuff, there was no room for too many mistakes, or you were up on a bank or into a tree, but you weren't going as fast, and not much room to avoid rocks with sharp edges that are thrown into the middle of the road. No. So you just kind of have to pray when they're on the driving line, huh? It was tiptoeing through, trying to find the smoothest line through the roughest spots, and I think. Part of the thing that helped me was I racing motocross and that mentality got back in, you know, it has stuck with me and, and, and choosing lines when I'm racing. And I know I'm not going at the, the huge speeds that the big cars are, but for, for me, it, I think it pays off and I'm able to, to pick lines pretty well that with the little car and it, it's, it's pretty agile. You know, I think that's something that translates really well. I mean, you know, I remember when Jeff Seahorn first came over from motocross to doing his first stage rally. And one thing he could do is just, you know, and, and still does today really well, right? He can, first of all, visualizing the grip levels, you know, knowing where your breaking point's going to be. Um, you still have that with your motocross stuff, right? So that's going to come across real well. And then picking that line, 
uh, obviously a little more agile probably in a motorcycle than it is with a car, but you know what to look for, what, what to avoid. Seems to translate pretty well. Yeah, that's I've I've heard heard that uh, from uh, quite a few people, and I, I I can only assume that that's the that's the case. <laughs> Fortunate for me, I guess. And hey, right? with age, get a cage, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, just look at uh, look at who's the front runners in the last few years in the overall championship. Everyone goes two wheels to four wheels, right? Yeah, that's Semina from a mountain bike, Pastrana from a dirt bike. Yeah, absolutely. That, that's that's how it works. Eventual champion one day now. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, we're going to need a few more ponies under the hood of that fit for that. <laughs> Well, I mean, I mean, you were saying earlier that you, um, like, you put the Nonax as your your benchmark for for rally right from the start. But looking at the Eastern Championship, you're leading them just by a few points. Obviously, last year I think you did a little bit more in the the Central region, but for the East right now, I mean, I don't know how many events are left in your region, but there are no more events left. Oh, so sorry for not knowing the Eastern uh, <laughs> Eastern uh, okay. calendar, so. Yeah, that's okay. There's, uh, I think there's only two more central races left, and that's LSPR and Show Me. So, we'll we'll see what happens there. The No Knacks are going to be up there, so I'll I'll look at that as the race that uh, hopefully we can keep up with them up there. I mean, that does like you're in in third for central just by a few points, though. I think yeah, STPR is just going to give you yeah. the chance to maybe pull a little bit. I see Rich O'Healy's still entered for that one as well yes he was he was um he was down there at boone too also we were just just hanging out a little bit ahead of him we were a minute or so ahead of him down there and then they had a mechanical problem i think they lost their radiator or something i think they there were some water low water crossings and i think they blew out their radiator or something of that nature so he'll be he'll be one to he's he's i think he's out there with you guys i think he spent a lot of time at dirtfish from what i from what i understand Oh, I'm, I am not familiar myself. I think so, yeah. I think I, I saw him at one of the West Coast events. Yes. Yeah, st- still newer at it. Yeah, yeah. I think he had a lot of seat time there, and he has uh, Michelle Miller was his co-driver down here. Boone. Yeah. So, you know. Super nice guy, though. Yeah, oh, yeah. I, I spoke with him. He's, he's, a, he's a nice guy. And, you know, they're in the they're in the Hooper Mobiles. Yeah, one of the LS250s, the, the Lexi. There are so many Lexuses of Lexi. Yeah, we're, we're trying to figure <laughs> out the plural for that. I don't know. <laughs> it's a whole fleet of the whole fleet of them down there. Yeah, KJ, KJ took care of all them down there. <laughs> he touched them. Yeah, he did all of them. Curse of the cage. <laughs> I try and keep them away from my car. Yeah, right. <laughs> no, no, don't touch, don't touch. Stand back from the car. I got a, I got a photo from Julian of of KJ looming over and about to touch one of the <laughs> transmissions. I'm pretty sure. So. <laughs> <laughs> Oh boy, that's funny. Oh, that kid. Uh, you know, you're getting ready to go up to LSPR here. Obviously, you got the Nonax. That's there's that goal. You've been to that event before. Last year's conditions were uh, changeable, um, to say the least. Yeah. Uh, what are you looking forward for uh, this time? Fair weather, I suppose. We we got. Uh, I, I learned some lessons up there last year. The snow. It, there were big snowflakes the one evening, and the lighting reflecting back from that was tense. Yeah. But I also made the mistake of we had cleaned the windshield and we, we at the first time we were told Barbasol and we put shaving cream on the window to keep the fog <laughs> down. And it worked until I got the bright idea of wiping a little bit of fog off the window and I wiped too much and then we 
fogged up on stage and it was snow fog nighttime nightmare <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> so i'm gonna be a little more uh prepared this year with with the wind potential of the window fogging and we've learned a couple other little tricks dawn dish soap is yep is something that i picked up that definitely makes a huge difference so that'll be that'll be a beautiful coat dawn i feel like there's actual products for this though like <laughs> <laughs> they're I, I you know what like barbasol dish soap i think all of it works but i swear that we put like on on my car we just put actual like anti-fog yeah stuff. there is like rain yeah, makes well. that stuff and guess what it's probably just one <laughs> taking <laughs> some uh I, I, some dish soap and, and just rebranding it and dish soap and barbasol <laughs> just a 50 50 just pour it in there aerosol sh- there that's all it takes <laughs> Everyone's wasting their money. I'm going to exactly. do it myself. That makes more sense. Yeah. <laughs> you can buy whatever product you like. I'm sticking with that Dawn dish soap. <laughs> I know. Hey, uh, no <laughs> argument here, man. No argument here. Uh, besides, you get that fresh, clean feeling, you know? <laughs> uh, you can wash oil off of ducks with that. That's true. It's very safe. <laughs> yes. <laughs> going to start equipping my car with nicely scented. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> barbershop supplies instead of wasting my money on all these purpose-built products exactly <laughs> so as you've been flinging this fit around and getting the most out of what it can do you already have your eyes set on what that next step might be i thinking of maybe doing something more to this there's a few more modifications that i can make make to it and keep in the limited two class yeah and uh, there's i can put a cam in it and i can uh, batoon on it and I've already got a nice full exhaust I just had built and put on there so I, I think with those three items we can gain about 30% more power. Wow. Now that's that's, that's yeah 30% right it's 94 horsepower yeah, to right. 118 <laughs> is that but the 30% sounds more impressive um, <laughs> but I think, <laughs> I think that that'll be a, a better uh, a little bit better. It'll help me keep up with some of the higher higher horsepower cars. You know, the, the Ford ST, the, the STs. I was just going to say, the, the Fiesta ST already just stock. I mean, it's got it's got a punch to it. Those things are, like, nearly impossible to keep up with. And then, like, Matt McGee, he's got... Uh, now, he'll claim that, the, that his car is really heavy, but he's got that Rabbit that has a five-cylinder in it. That's, you know, that's 200-horse motor that's, you know, a five-cylinder that's just tons of torque plugging away and uh it's it's hard for me to keep up with those guys um i just don't have that motor on the top end you know on the high speed stuff to to get up to get up to speed quickly and that's the that's my big deficit so i've had to learn to keep my momentum through everything and that's where i make my time well that and that is where the most time is usually made is in the slow stuff but let me tell you being able to accelerate up to top speed though with how fast most roads in the u.s tend to be in general it, it can it can be pretty tough. Yeah, yeah. I've, I was told that uh, I might not want to bring the fit out west because it would be very very slow out there. And I, I thought, you know, that's okay. Um, I'm okay with that. I, I would just like to go experience those uh, those one of, one of the two races. I'm not sure which one yet. Well, if you want awesome pictures of you in the car, <laughs> uh, Oregon Trail is the one. I'm biased being one of the organizers, but. <laughs> Um, I mean, if you've seen the images, man, I mean, you look at any of the Oregon Trail pictures and 
because they're wide open roads with kind of no trees in the way, you get these nice, beautiful views with the mountains and stuff, you know. Oh, I'm yeah. just saying. It's, be- it's definitely beautiful out there. It's definitely beautiful. There's no doubt about that. The Oregon events, or the, the West Coast rally events, and I'm also going to say you should come up to Canada and do some of the Canadian ones too, because, you know, I feel like that's where the real action is. But yeah, the everything on the West Coast, I feel like, is, is very, very scenic, although... I guess the east ones are pretty beautiful, too. Oh, we've got some beautiful spots out here. There's no doubt about that. Everything out, yeah, the Appalachian area seems seems yeah, gorgeous. I would love, to, I I would love to see some of the stuff down there, and I still haven't been to Sofer. That's, oh, that's the one major event I still haven't been to. So. It, it really is a great event. I highly recommend it if you can make your way this way. Yeah, it's, it's on the bucket list. That that and Col- Rally Colorado for a super regional, yeah. it's just fantastic. Oh, Cuba smoked them there on Saturday. I, that was awesome. I was paying attention to that all, all weekend. Oh, are you so, talking about down to Prescott? Yeah. Oh, Prescott's well, down in Arizona. You're talking about Colorado. Yeah. yeah. I'm not, sorry. I was thinking about that. Uh, Prescott, though, yeah. that sounds aw- – to see that event back, um, we kind of mentioned that uh, in, a, in a little chat we did earlier, just me and Jeff, and I've heard nothing but good things about the roads there. Yeah, actually, was doing a little chat with uh, Jacob Despain and uh, some of the challenges he had there. The roads are a little more rough, he said, but – Wow, they they are just amazing. Yeah, that that would that would be a fun event as well. Colorado too. Yeah, no, I'm sorry, I, I went the wrong direction on you there. Long ago, I lived in Colorado. We lived in Breckenridge, and oh, yeah. I there was actually a, a motocross track that was in Craig, which isn't too far away from from where really area? yeah from that area. So I, I know the area up there up there in that corner of the state, which I bet I bet that's a a riot to do that race up there. Maybe one of these days. Maybe one of these days I'll get that. Yeah. <laughs> Keep the Bucky tour going. I'm trying. I am definitely trying. That's my intention is to to try and get to all these events to to enjoy them and enjoy the people that are there. You know, coming from you know the uh, I guess from the motocross background and then going into rally. Uh, what have you noticed about the camaraderie of the people out here in this rally world? The kindness is uh, overwhelming. The, the what a great group of people it truly is a rally family for instance at stpr the nonax broke day two i'm in service chris comes over do you need any help with your car and and he proceeded to help do some stuff on the car while i was in for service wow you know i I'm, yeah it's just it's that it's that yep. stuff that makes this so special and it and it makes it special to me i love it how, how could you not love it yeah <laughs> Did, did you get any of that with the like the motorsport, the motocross community? Were they kind of like that too, or is it a little uh, more dog eat dog? Yeah, it was a little more dog eat dog. You know, it's it's <laughs> it's mano a mano out there. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's me against you, and it, I mean, people were friendly, but it wasn't the same as this. Yeah, but that you know that that was some years ago. Maybe it's changed since then, but uh, I don't remember it being as as great as it is as this is. I feel like that some of that comes from where you know you're doing this the the head to head racing style and you're you're on the track at the same time you're looking at everyone else you're competing and with rally it's a little bit more of a campaign where you're just fighting to make it to the end of your own event and then then you're looking at how you might compare to someone else or you know maybe you're checking sneak attack on your phone between stages just to see how your pace is but you're still looking at you have a benchmark you have these people around you but you're still just trying to make it to the end you're just trying to see how you can do against the clock and it seems like the people around you are willing to help out too you know everyone sees that same challenge and 
people are willing to come over, lend the hand, lend the wrench, lend the tools, the parts, if they have the it's parts. A, you know, it's a Honda Honda Fit. Not that many people are racing them, so <laughs> no. Maybe that one's not as applicable. No, we've it's. Uh, it, it, I've had I've had help with uh, Zach File. He's got a Honda Fit over here. Yep. Um, he's out of North Carolina. I don't know if you guys are familiar with him or not, but um, yeah, Zach was. Uh, he's with the HPD guys, right? Oh, he was. He's not. He anymore, was. That's but, right. Not anymore. That's right. Um, which that's another great group of guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, Zach has a, a Honda Fit that he raced, and last year at Bristol, I lost a bolt out of the caliper. And he had one, and we were in for service. And fortunately, he had one, and I was able to to, to keep going because he had a bolt. That's awesome. So it's always nice when he's around. <laughs> <laughs> Look up which events he's going to. Okay. <laughs> I've also stockpiled a lot more bits and pieces for the car since then. So yeah, uh, you know which ones fail now. And, yes. And, yeah. Exactly. Uh, you know what, what things I should be putting more Loctite on and. Yeah, it's amazing, amazing the things you learn about a car when you beat the crap out of it. <laughs> yeah, these uh, endurance events are not uh, for the faint of heart for the machinery. No. So the important question, though, is, are you considered cool to your kids now that you're doing this? I guess they're older, so they're they're uh, 24 and 21, so I, I guess. I don't know. Have to ask them. <laughs> <laughs> They're still kind of the millennial generation, though. So that's, you know, it kind of makes me wonder. It's like, they think dad's cool now that he's doing this thing. But the other cool thing, the thing that I'm thinking of here is that you're an older person getting into this, right? You're not some person that, uh, you know, got amazed by Subaru or something like that when they're in the, you know, and they're in their 20s and, and they're dabbling in it. You chose later in life to uh, delve into this thing. So it gives some hope for the rest of us that are aging. Yeah, you're you're exactly right. I, I'm I just turned 51, and uh, I, I I honestly I have folks come up to me and they'll start talking about people that are um, old rally people, and they'll they'll be name dropping to me, and I have to stop them and, and say I have no idea who you're talking. About. <laughs> that it, it really yeah yeah I, I don't know who you're talking about at all. I never I never really I knew about rally, but I never followed rally. I didn't really know about Ken Block. Um, I knew that he did the Hoonigan stuff, but it wasn't something that I paid attention to or followed a- until last year. Did I know any anything about that? Pastrana. Now I I knew about him because I raced motocross exactly about yeah. the same time when he was when he was doing a lot of his stuff and started in on all the the uh, X Games and and you know the freestyle motocross stuff. So I've always known about him. Bucky Lassick. That was that was a nice highlight down at the Rally Ranch. He was down there. I got to go for a ride in a car with him. He's a he's a nice guy. You know, another icon from my he's my age. Yep. So I'm with you. I'm in that same boat. <laughs> yeah, I know. So you're, you're right. You're right there. <laughs> so I mean, that's yeah. that's cool how you have those those idols that you can kind of like follow into the sport like that too. I was literally just talking to my wife earlier, maybe last night, about how um, I don't know if I would have fallen into the rally world if it wasn't for Brandon Zemanuk. And his his earlier before he went to America and he did uh, the Canadian Rally Championship. And I actually think that he because he started in 2020, Mike. Well, I mean, as far as with Subaru. Oh, yeah. 20. Yeah. I mean, before that. No, he was doing Western regional stuff a lot. Heck, we even saw him in a side by side uh, competing at Idaho and because we we had a side by side camp championship. Um, an ARA. Oh. So he did Idaho. He had rally tires on a on a side by side. 
Awesome. Um, both at Idaho and Tour de Forest that year, um, when Tour de Forest was actually run as a championship event, um, a national event that one year. So yeah, it was, uh, it was definitely interesting. Um, but yeah, he's always been doing yeah. his kind of his own thing, obviously up there in Canada as well on the Western side. I think he only went as far east as like Rocky Mountain Rally. You no, know, I, so he did the, the Canadian Rally Championship for, uh, did he go all the way east years. or did he just I don't, stay I don't the, know. I, I think he just stayed on the Western know. region. <laughs> Canada's too big. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but he definitely, so he's racing, um, a Subaru Canada. I think it was a Forester. <laughs> Or it was a cross track or something um, for a few years, it was and the then cross track, yeah, yeah, and it was kind of through like growing up mountain biking and seeing him being the big star of all of that, and then when um, he started doing the rally stuff, he kind of started to see it just kind of show up on the radar a little bit. I know that's a it's a problem I think with rally racing across the whole country is that it's not too much in the public eye. If you talk about racing, um, everyone thinks you're doing. NASCAR dirt ovals or something. Um, <laughs> you got to try to explain, like you know, that's the problem with rally is you say that you do rally and then it's immediately followed by no, not protesting. I'm <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> you you got to start like explaining what the actual sport is. Yeah. I think that was and it, yeah. You know that thing in Europe that you thought was only in Europe? We actually do that. Here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 20 2019 um when we went down to big white so that was that was my first like actually like going to spectate and that was to see the only name i knew at that point was brandon samanak and then you know obviously that you start opening yourself up to the world a little bit bigger but uh yeah i think my wife came home and she was saying yeah i went up to a rally in big white they were like what the hell are they protesting up there (laughs) that's a that's a weird they were a ski town are they protesting the snow what's going on nope nope it's a stage rally. Like, okay, cool. They have a stage for the rally, but like, what are they protesting? Nope. I've, I've, heard, I've heard that you have to watch your words when you cross the border uh, to race up up north there. <laughs> yes. I'm going to a rally. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. Yes. Yeah. You say, I'm, I'm, go- I'm doing some racing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just against the clock. <laughs> occasionally, occasionally a border services person knows what rally is. Yeah. I'm sure not very often. Uh, I will definitely try and hit a hit a Canadian rally one of these maybe next year if if uh if I get a chance but definitely definitely on the eastern side of the country here yeah I was gonna say I think you got like tall pines if you go to Ontario or uh if you go to maple syrup land um where they all don't speak English there's quite a few interesting events over there some really really fast people I think a lot of a lot of Americans cross up into into Canada for some of some of those is it greenhouse is that right Chris, Chris Greenhouse, yeah, yeah, I think, yeah, he spends a lot of time up there. Yeah, it's his favorite. He he loves going up there to Canada. He, he just likes the the environment. The people are always nice, and no, it, no, it's it, it's definitely a good experience up in that in that neighborhood up there. I will make my way there one of these days. So it's a little harder as a driver, you know. You're a co-driver. You can fly around. You can do every event. I'm sure you talk to like Bryce, and he's done every corner of the continent. But oh yeah. As soon as you're tasked with hauling the car around or paying to haul the car around, it becomes a little bit more, uh, it, it a little harder to a travel. Total, yeah, the, um, DJ Hathaway, who's, uh, who sits with me a bit, he, he just got a car, got his own car that he's been working on, and now harassing him about, because he'll, he'll message me, he was like, are you ready to go? I'm like, no, I'm loading a car and all the shit that goes with it. <laughs> he's like, well, I got my backpack, I'm ready to leave. I'm like, well, good for you. 
<laughs> yeah, his one backpack. <laughs> Suit and helmet, nice, that's all but... he cares about. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so easy for them. So easy. It is. It is. It's fine. So one last event uh, then for this year, and then what are the plans for next year? Do you already have that kind of mapped out? or? Well, maybe one more event this year. After, well, uh, we got to see how the car does. I think I blew the dampening circuit on my one of my front struts, and I'm going to be running that up there at LSPR just kind of with my fingers crossed. We'll, we'll see how the car holds up up there, but I, I'm also... Hopefully my wife doesn't hear me thinking about run and show me as well. We'll see if that happens. And I might, I might, I don't know if I will or not. I might drag down to the rally sprint in Texas again. We'll see what happens. That's a, that's a 19 hour tow down there one way. So that's, yeah, that's a daunting task, but, but I might still do it. I don't know. We'll see what happens. But Hey, you know, you get some uh, sunshine in those winter months, you know, <laughs> it was pretty cold there last year. I think it got down to 24 overnight. And camping yeah, in, the nights are so cold, that's for sure. <laughs> camping in the camper van got a little chilly, but it was okay. We talked a little bit about uh, the issues you had at STPR and made it through on uh, a floating engine. <laughs> uh, any other uh, stories you want to tell us from uh, the adventures of Nicholas Bucky so far? Honestly, I, I've been very fortunate and consistent and ha- not had any anything too overwhelming or, you know, no no big get-offs or anything like that that's what you're talking about as far as adventures and rally um we've we've been very fortunate to to keep everything pretty clean so far in this journey except for that motor <laughs> i was gonna say i mean your, your finishing record in general just is is fantastic i mean you've got one dnf that's it yeah we we super rallied at uh 100 acre wood i broke an axle i did uh, i forgot about that we were we were doing we were putting down some great times out there at Hundred Acre Wood, and I love that race. But unfortunately, we didn't have enough to climb our way back up into onto onto the podium. We were we were too many minutes behind after the broken axle. But that's the way it goes. Well, here's one we didn't talk about: where actually the Honda Fit, where power doesn't matter as much, and uh, probably a big learning experience is the glare ice that is snowdrift. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, I don't know. We, we, <laughs> uh, you're jogging some memories here, Mike, that I was trying to suppress. Um, <laughs> Nightmares or whatever you want to call them. <laughs> we did have a big spin on the first night. We were there. It was a big straightaway and there was a, maybe a right to it at the end of it. And I was trying to slow down. The big cars had cleaned all the snow off. So there was hardly any, any traction in the middle of the road. And I was creeping, inching towards the side of the road, trying to get into the powder snow to, to get some traction. Yep. And I got a little too close and we hit the bank and I, we did about a one and a half spin. And then we were sitting completely across the road and DJ had to get out and push the front of the car and get us moving before the next car came along. So that, that was an exciting little adventure there. And then uh, the next day, we I, I went a little too hot into a corner and we got stuck in the snow. And fortunately, the Honda boys came. Gabe Gabe showed up in the Civic, gave us a yank out of the bank, and proceeded to put himself in the bank on the other side. So we had to give him a tow out of the out of the bank. And of course, Heavy Sweep is sitting there behind us, breathing down our necks. They apparently pull your card there if they 
if they catch up to you and you're stopped for too long. But luckily, yep, there's the maximum lateness. Exactly. Yeah, we we luckily we got got out of there in time <laughs> to, uh, to to keep moving. And then we were behind Gabe, and yeah, it was a whole it was a whole thing. Snowdrift is quite an adventure. I don't have a handbrake, so that doesn't help up there to to spin the back when necessary. Oh yeah. Um, so I'm really relying on the on left foot braking to hopefully rotate the car. And sometimes it didn't want to rotate, and we plowed into some banks. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine that. Uh, yeah, without the handbrake, especially in those conditions, that that's got to be extra challenging. On the glare ice, it was something else because you don't even have the traction to really properly to do like even a scandinavian flick i mean it's ugh. no the car just pushed a couple couple times really bad but i i had a pretty good feel of it most of the time the nonax they were again they were they pulled motored away from me you know thank thankfully we got up on the podium there yeah just uh that that is a that's a great race too they they uh it's a lot of fun to do that it's a it's a huge challenge, which makes it a lot of fun. I mean, amazing to the the amount of excitement you can have at like thirty five miles an hour. It's ridiculous, yeah. quite honestly. <laughs> the wonders of the lack of studded tires, I tell you. Oh, oh boy, <laughs> Bonfire Alley. If you haven't experienced that, well, let me tell you that that was worth every second. Just running down through there with the fans and the fires. I was I was gonna say because the. The regional had that was the the second to last stage, right? And then yes. it was everyone who was national got to run it the second time. I think it was a little bit darker, but it was still dark enough. Well, it was the, super. Uh, it was plenty dark enough when I went through there. Yeah, because I were, mean, the big flares and mushroom clouds of, uh, of fire through the, the trees. I feel like is a pretty iconic North American rally scene. That's something yeah. I wish I could haul my car over for. Just when you can feel experience the, that you, you can feel the heat in the car from some of those fires from them throwing the gasoline or whatever whatever thing they throw on them <laughs> to Usually make them what they do is they take little plastic uh, baggies that they put the gasoline in and they toss it in the fire and it kind of erupts out well let me tell you it's brilliant <laughs> <laughs> maybe uh maybe don't include that so we're not telling people how to make big <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's pretty well known, man. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, just don't do it at home. Do yeah, it on the side of Bonfire Alley any day. Right. It's epic. In the middle just of winter else. where In the there's middle no of possibility of a forest fire. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and that's the other challenge of that event is the, uh, you know, trying to work on your car with winds that are gusting and it's like, it's so cold at times you're hopeful to have to work on something with the exhaust. Cause at least that's warm. <laughs> I will have to say, fortunately the fit typically when I take it to a, a race, it's pretty well prepped and I, I don't, don't have to do very much service to it very often. It's, it's been, it's been very good to say the least. So we didn't have to work on the car <laughs> up there at Snowdrift. So we didn't have to, that's awesome. we didn't have to get, uh, get cold or anything. I had, uh, Ryan and Heather George were up there doing service for us. Oh yeah, and uh, they they were they were great help. And they were like, "What can we do?" And I'm like, "I don't think there's anything to do. We'll just <laughs> make sandwiches. In <laughs> yeah, we got we got food. Let's put some more gas in it and go run some more. And that, that's, that's pretty awesome. much how, how it is with the fit. Yeah. So that's awesome. Let's check the tire pressures and uh, get hot cocoa. That's about it. Yeah. yeah exactly. It it's. 
it really is a great little chassis, honestly. Well, I I, I hope that uh, listeners of this are uh, are starting to understand that yeah, getting something nice and simple that's reliable like that, you don't have to have the fastest car to have the most fun out there. Or the most unique chassis. You don't have I to mean, reinvent the wheel just to get out on the stages. Yep. I mean, I'm I'm doing pretty decent in the little car. I mean, yeah, I I, I you could probably say that I towed a win, but I'm I'm putting down the times in class to to back it up so i the, the car is capable you just can't let off the throttle it's <laughs> very true very true and i'm just just looking back i i'm just just don't want to miss this question here looking back on your uh, your race history 2022 snowdrift summer rally you had ezra in the car with you yeah, that's that's my oldest son he 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 helped with the car a little bit and I was hoping that he would spend a little more time uh, racing with me, but you know, as as young young folks do, they get entwined in their own lives, and and he was pursuing his you know finishing his college and all that stuff. So fair enough. He uh he was on that path. So uh, maybe one of these days he'll get back in the car with me. Um, was that, we was, had that the, was that the son who showed you the the video of rally initially, the one that dragged yes. you into it? Yeah, and I don't know if he drugged me into it. I, some things, <laughs> some things, it doesn't take much provocation to, to get me into. So, <laughs> you also obviously have a very understanding wife. Um, she is uh, a very good support for me. Absolutely, she's uh, she's a hundred percent behind anything that I do, as I am with her. That's so, awesome. Yeah, that is so cool. Yeah. Well, Nicholas Bucky, thank you so much for coming on and uh, sharing some of your stories. In the flying Honda Fit, that is just—it's just fun. It's so fun seeing you out there slinging that thing around, and uh, you just keep getting faster and faster. How do folks follow your adventures online? Well, ironically, I don't have anything for my Possum Hollow race team, but uh, maybe one of these days we'll we'll get something together and 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 promote the the team a little bit more than than what I do now. I do. I've got my my personal accounts that most people find their way to. And uh, if you're in the rally community, you're probably already following me at some in some respect just because of that. So maybe maybe we'll get something going here in the next year with a, a dedicated social media presence with the with the uh, team. We'll see what happens. All right. Well, uh, good luck at uh, LSPR and uh, the other event that we won't say because your wife might hear it. Um <laughs> <laughs> for the end of the year and uh we'll be following how you do bud thank you very much i appreciate you guys having me all right take care well thank you again nick bucky for talking to us um about all that awesome stuff him and his crazy little honda fit that can we wanted to record a little bit of extra stuff at the end here because you know you had the podcast that we had that was what way back in august that we didn't do that recorded then and then we published that one in like the end of september and we had another gap and then i did the aldante's memorial that i wanted everybody here and then we're finally getting to this one that recorded what like three weeks ago we've had some busy times going on right now and so i wanted to kind of explain kind of what's been going on with both me and with you jeff you probably have the best excuse for having been busy for the entire month of september yeah. <laughs> Why don't you explain what you've been up to? Well, I mean, it was the start of September, which now feels like a long time ago. Uh, <laughs> at my wedding, which was super exciting. I ran away to the Rocky Mountains and got married in Jasper and then uh, spent some time in the mountains 
oh, it was, it was fantastic. It was amazing. And, and I cannot not mention the fact that the absolute legend himself, K.J. Miller, drove all the way up from Tumwater, Washington, all the way up through the great province of British Columbia and into Alberta to join us for our wedding weekend. Obviously, he's just been, uh, he's the entire reason I got into to racing and he's just a fantastic friend. So had to have him there and I super appreciate him driving all the way up. I was telling you, I thought it was really funny that on the day that we were driving out to Jasper, he had texted me. I think maybe I texted him and I said, are you doing okay? Did you make it across the border? Uh, how's the drive going? And uh, at the time he's climbing up towards Merritt, which if anyone's driven that bit of South British Columbia, you do a bit of a, a climb up onto a plateau. And uh, and he texts me, he goes, oh, yeah, it's going great. Love the Canadian highways, but uh, it's hurting my oil consumption a little bit. <laughs> and uh, I kind of did a double take on that one. I, I would have sworn that someone would normally be complaining. These hills are hurting my fuel consumption. That poor little guy is driving his first little Subaru and uh, doing Subaru things. I, I'm pretty sure it's the turbo. I mean, let's let's be honest. It's always the turbo. Well, I mean, he, he, he made it there and, and back home. So he did not nuke his own Subaru. So apparently his... Uh, powers of destruction do not work on his own personal vehicle. Or mine. We're we're good. Again, <laughs> I think I think if the car touches British Columbia soil somehow, that cures it. I think maybe I'm <laughs> I'm still coming up with theories for how that works. But and, and I'm I w- will staunchly oppose anything other than the fact that my car is somehow immune to it because I refuse to have my car fail and I, re- I refuse to try to find another co-driver. Well, I mean, he's obviously. Uh... He's done well. He's a good code writer to have. And well, he has a championship now because uh, we just had uh, the the last round of the ARA championship, and he's now what the isn't he limited four wheel drive co driver champion now? Limited four co driver championship, and then third overall, I believe it was um, Keaton Williams, then Chris Kremer, and then uh, I don't know what what event. Chris did to pull out some extra national points on KJ there or what event KJ missed. But uh, yeah, just just fell back, but still podium overall, which is just huge. The kid the kid ends up everywhere. It's, it's, it's hilarious. His third year rallying. And it's so funny because uh, the first year we race in Big White and it was funny. He shows up and you're like, oh, this is kind of cool. He knows a fair few people like, you know, I'm not. I'm not a stranger to everyone showing up here because KJ knows a couple faces. He's met a couple people, obviously a lot through his through his Instagram page. And then, you know, the second year it was like this next level above this. So suddenly you're going like, oh, okay, he knows a fair few of these people. You know, I think I'd start to to connect a little bit more as well by that time. And and funny enough, I think the the winner overall of Big White last year was uh, Matt Dickinson and Chris Kramer. And I don't think KJ knew um, that the season ahead would be that tight championship battle with them so um kind of cool i think we we had our service spot right next to them actually uh well obviously worked out well for him and uh yeah apparently him and fiestas um he doesn't destroy them unless they're um unless it's derek james uh, yeah derek james yeah that was gonna say that 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 was the one that apparently he can nuke but uh the others are or julian's oh yeah that too wow (laughs) he's very selective you know what i I think that he just has such a like a full calendar in the year and uh you just see just these the dns happen so often yeah I mean, what he did he fa- failed a savings throw <laughs> he's got a little <laughs> d20 in his pocket he, he, exactly 
Exactly. He has a little D20 in his pocket. When he goes to get inside a car, he rolls it. <laughs> it's just nat ones every single time. That's hilarious. <laughs> well, as far as uh, the reason why I was gone for all of September um, was because I was you know, doing a lot of racing things um, as far as like spectating and whatnot. Um, and then also I had my anniversary. So you, you picked a very good time frame to uh, have your wedding. It's a, it's a lucky month, I'll say, um, because, uh, yes, my wife and I's uh, anniversary is on September 9th. So 22 years now. So but yeah, the first week of September, we were there was the IndyCar race here in Portland and spent a wonderful amount of time with a bunch of rally friends uh garth ankeny which actually i want to try and do a special with him his history when it comes to both rallying and uh just racing in general the guy is such a huge supporter of, of all forms of racing here in the in the northwest especially rally and uh you, you if you've seen him cl- racing the classic sob 96 um or his toyota starlet you know he Reckies in a Cortina. Uh, he's all about the classics, and one of the things he's always been want, trying to champion is trying to get like a historic type rally going uh, somewhere in the Pacific Northwest. And he loves all those old cars, and it just he, he's just a champion of all that stuff. And uh, but anyways, hung out with him. We had good food. Uh, it watched racing, and it was fantastic. And then um, yes, then it was my anniversary, and then I went and did a rally, uh, did a TSC rally. That'll be an episode coming up. Um, I recorded some bits from that, so excited that uh, went and uh, did some stuff at regular public speeds, or for those of you in other areas of the world, you may call it a regularity rally. Which, by the way, also a little side note, the new EA Sports game that's coming out where Codemasters finally gets the WRC you know, title to do instead of Dirt Rally, they are going to have actually regularity rallies in the Dirt Rally or WRC rally game that they're coming out with. Did you know that? Uh, I Well, I mean, you told me about that because you were super stoked on it as soon as they released it. So, I mean, for the sake of the podcast, yeah, super exciting, Mike. <laughs> Definitely <laughs> haven't heard that yet. Definitely <laughs> haven't heard that previously. <laughs> I, could, I couldn't remember who all I told that, that, that happened to see that because, I mean, that's just, it's an unusual thing because, like, yeah, it's not a, not a racing speed. You're trying to hold a specific speed, but it's definitely a unique sport. It, it's, it's basically, we were trying to come up about with the most concise uh, way of saying, what is a TSD rally? It's basically going on a road trip with competition. So it's competitive road tripping. So if you, what is it? Competitive road tripping. There you go. And you get to tour beautiful parts of, oh, I mean, wherever. I was going to say beautiful parts of Oregon, but it's not just Oregon. The Norwester is run by the Rainier Autosports Club, and it's actually some of the guys from our uh, Zero team. Uh, the Team Fogawi guys are the, the head, um, like the roadmaster and whatnot. And in this case, it was all roads in Oregon. It was called um, Outback Tour or Oregon Back Roads, I think is what it was called. And it was probably about 70, 80 percent gravel. Um, the rest of it was tarmac roads. Um, so areas that I these are public roads and they're still open to the public. I mean, this, it's not like they close anything. And I had no idea these roads existed. There's one part where we're just driving for miles and there's Mount Hood right in front of you up on this ridge line of gravel roads. And it was just fantastic. And trying to maintain that consistent speed that you're supposed to go, you got hairpins. Maintain 34 miles an hour, but then you have a 15 mile an hour hairpin, you know, and then a straight, and then another 15 mile an hour hairpin, and you don't know where the checkpoint's going to be, right? And you're supposed to maintain that average speed, and all of a sudden, ding, your uh, GPS thing on your phone goes off, and you, you pass a checkpoint, and you get to know if you're too fast, too slow, or whatever, and uh, have to adjust accordingly. So it has all the thrills, you know, I guess you would have as far as, you know, any competitive type thing, not full speed, but you're still 
not slow in many cases. Okay, the, the critical question, though, is did you pull the handbrake at all? Aside from parking. Aside from using it as a parking brake. I wish I could say I did, <laughs> but no. I did left foot brake. Oh, but you know what? You're in a Subaru, aren't you? Yeah. So I don't know if your car would absolutely love having the, the handbrake pulled up. That's a fair point. I mean... I don't know. I don't know how the driveline loves those... Uh, those handbrake pulls. That's a good point. Honestly, I, I really haven't done a lot of that. I, I, I may have only done it like on ice. I don't know. I guess I always not felt like I needed to. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, there, there was definitely some slippy slideys, um in the gravel corners and the hairpins. There was even a point where the, pub, the speed we were supposed to maintain on gravel was 48 miles an hour, which is a good clip for, you know, a road car. This is not, you know, no roll cage or anything like that. You're, you're just doing your everyday driver driving car. So granted, I do. I'm smart enough to have a skid plate, and because I use it for volunteering, I do have the uh, better suspension on there with the King Springs and the KYB struts, and that does just help it just handle better. I just wanted the car to handle better, but it also makes it good for these TSDs. So there you go. Anyways, so that kept me busy, and then of course uh, we got back into this podcast thing. As I said, we had the Aldantes one. I had to edit and get out there because I want to get that out there for LSPR, and uh, we've had some amazing feedback from that. So thank you everybody for listening to that and and for the feedback. Um, sounds like I might have to do another one because those hearing the stories from that one said that they had some stories that they wanted to maybe share as well so it's just all part of the rally love and uh it's been really cool and um i guess you listened to that one too didn't you yeah yeah i mean it's been really tough since we've we've started doing these again to sit down and and to listen to the podcast because i mean i was part of the conversation with everyone everything since august so I don't love hearing my own voice, so I haven't gotten over that. Tell me about it. I'm getting better. I'm getting better <laughs> about it. But yeah, that's that's being tricky. So it was nice to to have a fresh new podcast that I could just turn on and and uh, did some did some house cleaning. And I mean, right away, as soon as we turned that, that the podcast on, it was just obviously your intro was fantastic, and uh, and Derek just did an amazing job with the sound with the sounds of Rexine mixed with um, some beautiful music that he he had it was, it was just really nice i don't think it was it wasn't a, a podcast the same as the the normal interviews interviews you've had but um i don't know there's a there's a lot of moments that just made you smile made you laugh I, I think you said your your wife finally listened to an episode yeah she normally doesn't listen to the podcast and uh but she wanted to hear that one <laughs> it was funny because she was doing some housework and, and put it on bluetooth you know while she was uh you know doing some vacuuming and stuff like that and anyways uh i kept hearing this cackling laughing <laughs> coming from her so uh yeah some definitely some good stories and uh yeah uh, apparently you know uh, make sure that you avoid um the gas station burritos or the uh friendly competitor zucchini bread <laughs> so some great stories from that one so yeah um, i, I yeah. know and that was, and it was really good timing as well because i think everyone was um, there's a lot of people that listen to it on their their drive home or their travels home from from LSPR. Obviously, you know there's a there's a lot of celebration there this year. They had the the stage named after Al, which was which was really nice. Yes, Al's playground, which is fantastic. Yeah, they had the the tribute. The, the park um, expose, park expose um, yeah. was 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 really nice on Saturday. Obviously, like and then they had the Sisu challenge. Yeah, um, was brought back. Yeah. you know, in his honor, and the amount of people that sponsored and and helped you know pay into that. You know, it was the idea was to bring back the the two wheel drive kind of challenge thing. And you know, there's awards rewards for people that was that you could do an all day class down at uh, the the rally ready 
uh, for being fourth place. So basically, you need it. You couldn't quite make the podium. So then you won a class, you know, to take some driving classes down at uh, down with Texas Dave down there. There was, there was the first broken engine. Yes, was was one of them. Th- that was another one. I think there was you know obviously the, the overall winner ended up getting uh, you know a half day class at the Dirtfish. There's, you know, 50 bucks here, 100 bucks there for all these different things. There was a bunch of Milwaukee tools. I'm pretty sure. There was, there was something with Milwaukee there tools. There was some alpaca was, socks. And oh, let me geez. tell you, I mean, those, those things are fancy. Uh, and there's somebody who used to sell a pack of stuff. That stuff's, that stuff's nice. So, yeah, I mean, there's uh, all kinds of diff- different gifts that everybody would kind of joining in to, to help support everyone there. And it just fantastic stuff. So I just, I, I hope this is a thing that continues. And... Yeah, maybe we'll have more of these uh, two-wheel drive little challenge things uh, going on throughout the championship uh, next year. But definitely the specific one, the Sisu Challenge, is, is the one for LSPR, and fittingly so. So, wow. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was hilarious, too. I feel like the um, the style of, of these prizes and, and everything that they did, I think it was it was very much something that I, Al would have laughed at. Al would have absolutely loved to, to see those those kinds of prizes handed out. Obviously, it's like really really tough year this last i want to say 365 days in in many regards it's been been difficult in north america abroad i know that i think uh, a lot of people felt impacted by craig breen back in, in the springtime there that was that was a big shock it was really it's it's so hard to come across something like this and i knew i think i think everyone expected to go into this weekend knowing that there'd be a lot of memories um it was a lot of happy memories. Yes. Everyone was sharing good times. It was it was really nice. And I think that there was a lot of camaraderie, too, for everyone making it to the end, just like last year. We'll talk more probably about that, uh, about LSPR. Um, we've got a guest coming up in a future podcast that we're going to talk about uh, LSPR specifically. And so we'll probably mention some more details about that event and, and comment on that more then. One of the other things I wanted to touch on, though, the event that I didn't do that I misstated um, Tour de Forest. So when you've heard this, you've probably already heard that uh, Henry Tabor that we had in the previous podcast, uh, or a couple of podcasts ago, he finally, he, he, he posted some news that, you know, he's finally getting the uh, cone of shame collar um, off his neck, which I know that has been really frustrating having to wear that as he was healing up with uh, what happened with the spinal injury. Not only did he heal up well, he actually was able to get back in a car and competed in Tour de Forest. His dad was his co-driver, although his dad made a couple of mistakes um, <laughs> when it comes to coming into time controls. Uh, granted, he's normally a driver, so whatever. He ended up getting uh, fourth in class, and that fourth in class had granted him the Western Regional Limited Two-Wheel Drive Championship. So he went from winning that flat-out forever award being one of the first recipients of that, to a life-threatening accident, to now being a champion, a regional champion, in one year. I mean, absolutely fantastic recovery for him, too. And I, I know that he was really excited to not have a cone of shame on his neck anymore. To not, <laughs> I'm sure that that just doesn't make shoulder checks any better, too, while driving around. But, uh, I mean, to get back and, and to finish out the season like that, I'm, I'm sure it just feels... So good. I think he wanted to do a little bit more of the SCCA race cars and hopefully he does get back to that. We had a good chat about that whole racing series that he was doing there. But yeah, I mean, what a redemption for the end of the year after such a difficult time. Well, speaking of difficult times, <laughs> PFR? Ah, oh, man. Ah, <laughs> oh, what? 
an event that I have wanted to do for three years and uh, I have not been able to do for three years. I don't know if anyone's stayed up to date. I think there was a meme or two about this, but uh, the event, unfortunately, due to wildfires, which I, I understand is, is beyond the control of the, uh, of the organizers to be able to deal with the forest fires. And then once the fires are gone, then to go out and check to make sure the roads are good. Um, and I don't think those roads get very much of a priority. Uh, they decided due to the fire season, they weren't going to run it on the 30th of September. They were going to move it uh, two weeks later, make it a regional one day. And then that got canceled too. I, I think it was a low entries and even more issues with getting to the roads. So yeah. You just can't win, man. Just can't win. And, and it's, I know it's a classic West Coast event. I don't think it goes back as far as Rocky Mountain does. Yeah, I think uh, it's it's pretty old. Well, there's a lot of folks in the Pacific Northwest out here that Oregon and Washington that came up to PFR. So, yeah, there's a lot of people that want that usually want want to do that one. I'm thinking, you know, there was floods. There's been fires. Uh, locusts next? <laughs> I, I hope not. I don't like bugs. Yeah, no, no, uh, I don't. I, don't <laughs> I jest. I jest. I don't want that to happen. <laughs> but yeah, it's just been it's just brutal for that event. So. That they came up with a solution and the re 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 recording of this that we've been trying to do. <laughs> and now I yeah I am now actively aware that they're yes you're, run you're it actively next aware that they the were going to change the date because I yeah I absolutely just read that bulletin read the first paragraph canceled and I went oh man you're such a driver and yeah yeah <laughs> you're such a driver and uh, yeah it turns out that they're moving it to next summer but we had a whole in depth conversation about how that's going to work because we will have. Oregon Trail is going to be towards the end of May, yep. as it normally is, middle middle end. And then they're still going to jam in Rocky Mountain in between, which I don't know how that's going to stack up exactly. Uh, I know that the whole idea is that they wanted to get a lot of the, the East Coast national competitors to drive out to be able to make one trip for two events. So like we do for ARA, uh, yeah, it's a West yeah. Coast swing, right? So you yeah. want to have it so that the, the, the folks can you know do a, a single trip over. And I totally get that. I don't know the Canadian schedule of things as well, but in general, we try and do for you know ARA, they want three to four weeks you know between each event. Mm-hmm. So that way there's time for folks to uh, fix their car, to uh, re- build their funds and or vacation time, you know, go back to work maybe for a little bit, whatever it is. That's optimal. Two weeks to another event is doable. Um, It's a stretch, depending on how rough the previous event is. Oregon Trail isn't, as far as the rough stuff goes, isn't the the hardest on cars. Okay, save for Starve Out and all the exhausts that are uh, left behind there. But other than that, you know, in general, it's not that rough. So I could see going from Oregon Trail in a couple of weeks and, and some being able to make it up to PFR. The the, the tough thing would be is where did, was Rocky fit in? There? Yeah, yeah. So I don't I don't know if Rocky's going to be on, because I believe that that gives four weeks um, from OTR, or well, three weeks in between. So I don't know if it'll land on the, um, the weekend right after OTR or the weekend right before PFR and is exactly what's going to happen there. Yeah, it'll be exciting. I, I fired off that the bulletin and, and a quick message to KJ while he's going down doing some other racing stuff. And we proposed what they need to do is um, better than the Cascadia Cup is we do like a West Coast Endurance Le Mans series where you got to go do all three with no maintenance in between. <laughs> it's, it's Park Ferme for the entire week. Y'all convoy together. No one works on their vehicles. No one hanging out on the flat deck, uh, working on the car while we're traveling, and uh, just see 
can anyone last three entire events uh, without, uh, without that would be brutal. down or crashing? That would be brutal. <laughs> Screw the Cascadia Cup. We'll, we'll make it one better. There you go. Uh, yeah, the Cascadia Enduro, I guess we'd call it or something. I don't know. That, that definitely sounds kind of brutal to try and do all of that. Yeah. But that means, though, hopefully Big White will still happen this winter. Yeah, yeah. And I'm really hoping that um, there's some interesting people to, interesting cars, interesting people too, but interesting cars to come up. Um, I'm really, really hoping the, the Ferrari uh, Subaru makes a, makes a trip up for that because I want to see that thing in person. I think that there's going to be um, a good bit of people there. I know I heard some, I, I don't want to name any names, but I've heard some rumors of people saying that they want to want to travel pretty far and wide to come out to co-drive, to hang out. It's just a really cool event. I don't, have you been up to Big White before? I have not. I have not done any events in Canada yet, so oh. I will eventually. One day, one day. I, I've been talking about coming down and, and just attending a, a U.S. event. I'm going to have to get thermal socks if I end up going up to uh, <laughs> to uh, Big White, though. Yeah, let me tell you, the first year I learned my lesson of don't leave your good boots in the truck or in, in, the, in the race car in Park Ferme when you're standing in minus 15 Celsius with racing shoes on. Because racing shoes just, they don't have a whole lot of insulation. Like zero? <laughs> yeah. Basically, yeah. <laughs> I think it is zero. I don't know if there's a, even a Nomex layer to keep you safe from the cold below. It's uh, it's rough. And uh, yeah, I think I was watching Kyle Tilly and Alex Gelsimino doing a champagne spray. And I'm just kind of doing the... Uh, worried it looked a bit like the pee dance of jumping up and down off of your feet but you're just trying to take a break from standing on cold snow and finish the podium i want to get back I need shoes. If, I, if i've got the right gear i don't mind the cold in general though i'm not a I don't, i'm not one to be like one of those people that are like it's zero degrees outside and they're in shorts not it <laughs> but but it is it is a really cool event up in a ski village i feel like it's the perfect combination of of ski village and winter racing on snow i feel like it's it's got to be the the coolest aesthetic event for the whole weekend maybe that's not a selling feature but i certainly enjoy it it's beautiful we'll have to add that to the bucket list there you go sell it <laughs> i sell it come check it out please 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 keep western canadian rally alive i beg <laughs> Any last words, uh, Jeff, before we uh, close up this little chat? Uh, I think that's it. I don't know what I've said once, twice, and three times, so I'm just going <laughs> to... And, and just, just for folks know, it's like, we so we recorded this once, um, what, like a month ago. And it just ended up so out of date. It, yeah, it, then things just got in the way and did another interview and, and stuff. And I was like, oh, wait, no, let's re-record that. It's just too outdated. Okay, so record a new one. And then... Really, honestly, the, uh, the I, I launched my recording software and it recorded only one of the two channels. So it was just me and then these air gaps where Jeff was talking. So now we're re, re, re-recording this one. So, you know, that, that's what happens. It's it's technology. We adapt. But uh, I did do testing in advance this time and I, I'm going to be doing that every time again. But every time I get too confident, it's like, oh, yeah, it's, it's going to work. You know, I've, I've tested it enough times. That's when it doesn't work. So uh, go figure. Thanks again to our guest, Nicholas Bucky. He's one of the good ones, so if you see him at an event, make sure you show him some of that rally family love and cheer on his little Honda Fit. Jeff Sandvoss, as always, you're awesome. Thanks for joining me on this uh, journey through this latest Thank you one. as always. Thanks also to our audio editor, Derek Johnson-Love, who is squeezing all this work in while just starting a new job. We appreciate all you do, man, and uh, hope the new job is going well. I'm your host, Mike Shaw. Thanks for listening. 
and remember to keep it shiny side up. Giggles. Our first comedian tonight is all about the rally cars. Welcome to the stage, my best friend and yours, Yakov Adesalo Kink Makin. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Now, why did the rally drive across the road? Because when their co driver said nips, he thought there would be free candy. <laughs> 